Take your Bible and turn to the book of James, chapter 4. James and chapter 4. The devil. What did he know and when did he know it? If I had known that the first day I was going to have a ranch meeting there in Colorado, I'm not sure I would have had it. If I had known, I only had two kids the first night. I probably would have thought, I'm worth more than that. Do they know who I am? And am I supposed to have, and I had about three or four of us in the firehouse five, two little kids in front of me. And the thing is, they were junior high kids. So there's no way they're going to take and determine to go to Bible college, you know, for the next semester. And most junior high kids are not the kind that says, hey, thank you so much for all you've done for me. And I thought, this will be a waste of my time. I mean, I am so valuable that I'm going to spend my time with two little kids. But I'm glad God didn't tell me in advance, all you're going to have is two kids. Because from those two kids grew a tremendous ministry. Because we just kept it going, and next thing you know, we had a lot of teenagers. You know, I don't know, but when I stop and think about the opportunities that I had, I had told the church, we're going to start a bus ministry. Because, you see, I used to run a bus ministry when I was at Tennessee Temple back in 1964, I think it was. And because I had a bus ministry at the foot of the incline there, Rock City and down at the bottom of St. Elmo, right there in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I came to the conclusion that since I've done it, I am an expert. I've done this before. All I need is get me a bus. I'll run around there, and everybody will just beg me to get on. Well, I worked that Saturday. I'd knocked on, I don't know, it seemed like 10,000 doors. Well, probably maybe 60, 70. But I knocked on a lot of doors. People in church just couldn't wait for Sunday morning to come when they stood outside and they watched me when I pulled in with my bus. I had teachers already signed to, you know, to take them into the various classes so they could teach all these kids. And so when I pulled into the parking lot of the church, I had one kid on my bus. Lots of people told me, yes, my kid can go, my kid can go. Promises, promises, promises. And then whenever I showed up, nobody would either answer the door they're not kids are not coming next week promises promises I was so discouraged disappointed that when I got back to the church and here I had all these people waiting to teach these classes from these kids that were going to get off the bus and there weren't any one kid if I had known before that's all you're going to have I don't even know if I would have started the bus ministry. But you know, with one kid, you can't get any less than zero. You can only go up. And go up we did. Until we had, in 1978, we averaged over 600 on bus routes. Just on the buses. My town always came to church. So yet you have to have a beginning. If I had known, when I went to Minnesota, and that first day that I got there, believe it or not, it was wintry, it was 
my blizzard condition and snow banks up four or five feet. And you're driving down the road. You can't see any houses. You can't even see roads. And then the guy pulled into the church. It was a little old rink-a-dink church, a little old small thing. I thought, I have wasted my time coming to this little old place because nothing is going to happen here. Well, this preacher would not have been there. A lot of those people that went to Bible college, they would have never done that. They started a camp, built several churches, had about three or four churches going. And we had kids from there come to college, CBC in Colorado and also down to FBC. But you see, God is so smart, so wise, and not letting us know what tomorrow may bring. Because if we really knew what tomorrow may bring, we may not want tomorrow to come. And you'd be surprised how disappointed and discouraged you can be. So I want you to see this verse. I've read it to you before. You know it's in the Bible. It's nothing new, but I want you to get this. I want you to look up there in chapter 4, verse 6. James chapter 4, verse 6. But he giveth more grace... Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Some people say that God's given us grace is the desire and the power to do the will of God. The desire and the power to do the will of God. So if you humble yourself to the Lord and say, Lord, it's not for me to decide you know, whether or not I should or should not go, it's your decision. One thing that I tried to determine over the years, I never wanted to determine whether I went to a place or not because of the size of the church or the distance or the money. I just wanted to do it. If I can do it, I'm going to do it. And yes, I have traveled sometimes long ways and get absolutely nothing. And then sometimes I go for a day and they treat me very well. But you can't make that your criteria. Now I know there's some people that they won't go unless they get a guarantee of $10,000. That's a lot of money. But that's what they demand. And there's people that pay it because, you know, they are so good. Bill Clinton gets $100,000 a lick. I don't believe what he has to say is more important than what I have to say. But he can get $100,000 for speaking someplace. What about you, Angel? How much do you get? No, never mind, never mind. How much do you think you're worth? Well, look what else he says here. And that's in verse 7. He says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil... And he will flee from you. Now, you ought to know that the devil is going to do whatever he can to destroy you. And he works on your mind to disappoint you and I. To get us so down and that we just, it don't seem like it's worth it. I'll never forget whenever I had graduated from FBC. And I really didn't know where I was going to go. But next thing you know, I'm in, I'm in Indian summer camps. Camp speaker. Never been to Indian camps before in my life. And here I was. 
with a wife and my two kids, and we were living out of the back end of our station wagon, and I got a little pool trailer behind us. And that was all of our possessions. We had a few of the boxes, the stuff that we buried in somebody's basement up there in Georgia, but, and later on we got them, but there wasn't much. We didn't have much at all. And next thing you know, I'm going out there to speak in Indian camps. And I remember when I wanted to start the church here in Colorado, <laughs> all I had was a body that could go day and night, and I thank the Lord for it, because I could, I could just, you know, if I got a couple hours of sleep a night, I'm, I'm good to go. And so I would repair pallets, oak pallets, at King Super's warehouse at night. And then at 3.30 in the morning, I would go and throw papers. And I would throw these papers, and then when it got daylight, I could go work at Don Jackson Turkey Farm killing turkeys and making turkey deliveries. Well, you have no idea how many times I thought to myself, Self, is this why you went to Bible school? So you could throw newspapers? So that you could kill turkeys? You could repair pallets? But in the back of my mind, I know I've got to do this to get to this. And if that's what I have to do, then that's what I'm going to do. But if I had known in advance how difficult it was going to be, I probably would not have left. God, in his wisdom, blinded me to the future. And what I had to do was take God one day at what? One day at a time. One day at a time. Now look what he says here in verse 13. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city. Continue there a year, buy and sell and get gain. The gold was profit. We're going to make a profit. And he says in verse 14, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. Now, let's don't take this verse out of context. Let's just leave it right there. Look what he's saying. We know not what shall be on the morrow. It means that you do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. God hasn't told us what's going to happen tomorrow. Because if God told us, we might want to change it or alter it or deny it or not get out of bed the next day. So God in his wisdom says you don't know what's going to happen. What you need to say is if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boasting because you brag about what you're going to do and how it's going to be. Did you know that God has a, a ways and means committee, a way to humble us? And that is by not letting you know what's coming tomorrow because God can pull that rug out from under you and nothing flat, you can be flat, broke, have nothing. God can do this. And so he makes this statement here, all such rejoicing is what? All such rejoicing, the boasting about what you're going to do and what I'm going to accomplish. And I, you may not get anything done. I can say, Lord willing, 
we are going to start a Bible college. But I don't know if we'll ever have a Bible college. I can't make some things happen. I'm just saying that here I am, Lord. And if you want us to have one, I'm ready to go. I'll do anything you say do. But if you close the doors, so be it. If you open the doors, here I am. I'll teach. I'll do whatever I can as long as I can. You're in charge of my life. Do whatever you want to do. But whenever you begin to dictate to God how he must do something, then we're in trouble. Then we're in trouble. Look what he says in verse 17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. What you do that he's calling sin goes up there to verse 13. About saying what's going to happen. You determine how it's going to be. You see, when we dedicate our lives to the Lord, God has the right to interrupt our schedule. God's plan may not be your plan. You could have all kind of dreams and ideas about what you want to do and where you want to go, and, and sometimes it works and sometimes it don't. So I wrote a few things down. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, the book of Ephesians and chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, and the question that I wrote down, why doesn't God tell me the devil's every move in advance? Wouldn't that help me when I've got an enemy like the devil? Why can't God save me some time and tell me what is the devil going to try to do to me tomorrow? I want to know. And if God would tell me, I could prepare better. I mean, exactly what's he going to do? He got all these little demons running around, and they can do all these kind of things. Wait a minute. Why doesn't God tell me tomorrow what they're going to do? Well, sure, like it would save a lot of time. Now, I do not know the rules of engagement where, you know, God has rules by which he must go by, and the devil has rules that he must go by, and... There's like an agreement. It's like a, a great big game of chess. And who's trying to get who in checkmate? And I'm, I'm the little old pawn here. And everybody's making moves. And you think, well, God, what, what are you trying to do with my life? Now, you ought to understand that God can take the devil and use his wicked devices to put you right where he wants you, to accomplish exactly what he wants to accomplish. So I want you to look at this verse. And you'll notice there in verse 11, where he says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. It's not like God stops the devil. But he tells you how to prepare for the devil. So God doesn't tell us what he's going to do tomorrow. And God doesn't tell us all the ways in which the devil is going to try to get us tomorrow. But we do know and understand that the devil is on our trail and he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So, I mean, if I'm God's child and God really loves me, God's not going to let Satan get me. Is he? 
I mean, God's not going to let the devil ruin my life, is he? Why wouldn't God allow the devil to get the best of me? Don't he care about me? And when he talks about knowing the wiles of the devil, you don't have to know everything, but God has given to us the weapons of warfare. And if we'll do what God says do, we'll have what we need to battle tomorrow. But if God told us in advance all the details, the exact details of tomorrow's battle, we may not want to face tomorrow. It could be so discouraging, so disheartening. And God doesn't even tell us in advance some of the great blessings we're going to have tomorrow. Did you know just me receiving a couple of these letters, you know that is heartwarming to my soul. Do you think I've gotten other kinds of letters? I have. I've had some where people have just taken me to the task. I mean, just whoop the daylights out of me. And I thought, why do they feel that way toward me? I don't feel that way toward them. Why don't everybody love me? I'm such a lovable guy. I don't bother anybody. All I do is try to win people to the Lord and challenge them to serve the Lord. What's the problem? And especially God's people ought to be for me, right? Not against me. But you know, not everybody's going to be for you. You already know that in advance. You just don't know who it's going to come from and how it's going to be and what time of the day. And there's all kind of things. But God in his wisdom has saw fit not to reveal them. Let me just mention this to you. Because this is important to know. You remember that there were times when Judas, the Bible says, he bare out of the bag what was put into the bag. What did that make him? A thief. He was like the secretary for the group. He was in charge of the finance. He was in charge of the finance committee. And so he would take out. So he was a thief. Now, the devil, I don't believe, can read your mind. But I do believe he can read the impressions upon your face. And I believe that he might be able to see and tell what kind of an attitude you have when you know the will of God and you refuse to do it. He also might be able to read your actions. You think that's possible? Do you think the devil could have saw when he was taking money out of the, the till and could say, now this is the guy I'm going to get. And this is the guy that I'm going to get to betray the Lord. Did you know that by him betraying the Lord so that he would be killed, fulfill the will of God? Did you know that the devil, in thinking that he finally has defeated Jesus, actually produced the victory? Because Christ came back from the dead. And Christ, even though it was ordained by God that he would die at the hands of wicked men, God has fulfilled his will in that he raised him from the dead. So Satan does not know Everything. I've often wondered why it seems like throughout the scriptures, over a span of about 15 to 1600 years, with, you know, all these writers, up to 40 different writers, and all these years, 
prophecy was written far enough in advance that the guy who wrote it could not fulfill it. So that it could not be said, he made it happen. He said it, and then he made it happen. But God would allow one man to reveal one thing, and then a couple hundred years pass, and another man reveals something, and then a couple hundred years later, another man reveals something. And I believe there's several reasons for that. One is so that the devil would not know the plan of God. Now, he might know overall that there's something going to happen, and a Messiah may be on his way, but he doesn't understand everything. He even misquoted Scripture. And if he had known that Jesus Christ was going to have to die and pay for our sins on the cross, well, he might have um, said, hey, well, I'm not going that route. I need to change this thing here. And maybe that's why he was trying to kill him in the Garden of Gethsemane. I don't know. But I know that the devil is not God. He does not have the ability to know everything, and he does not read thoughts. The Bible says Christ could do this, but not the devil. But he will try to interject thoughts into your mind. So he even told Satan, the Bible says that he entered into Judas and got him to betray the Son of God. Why would the Scriptures be written in such a way that even when Jesus was born, why didn't Satan know where Jesus was going to be born? Did he understand Micah chapter 5, verse 2? But thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judea, yet out of thee shall he come forth to be ruler in Israel, who's going forth to have been from old to everlasting. Did he know that? Or why couldn't he have found a way to tell Herod so that Herod could have been there in advance and have him killed? See, there's a lot that we don't know that goes on behind the scenes. But God has seen fit to word things in such a way and even with his disciples, the Bible says, even when he told them of his crucifixion, it says, but they understood not, for these things were hidden from them. He hid them from them. So, because, see, if those disciples had known precisely what was going to take place, is it possible that they might have tried to intervene, change the outcourse? If you knew what was going to happen to you tomorrow, Angel is going to have a wreck on the corner of Hillsborough and Sheldon. He's going to have a wreck. What would you do? He wouldn't go there. He said, not this boy. Not this boy. I'm not going there. So if God says this is going to happen at 2 o'clock, that tomorrow uh, you're going to go by the bank and there's going to be a robbery and you're going to get shot and killed. Well, what would you do? You would not go by that bank. Because you knew what was going to happen, so you would avoid it. So you could change the outcourse of the plan of God. Maybe that's what God wanted. God, in his wisdom, knows that it's best for you and I. And this is why he wants us to trust him day by day. Because if he was to give you a written detail of tomorrow... Did you know the old devil would know exactly what to do to you tomorrow? So he has to wait till tomorrow too. Isn't that wonderful? Both of us have to wait till tomorrow and fight it out again. Every day of our life. But if we yield ourselves to the Lord, he will guide us and protect us and use us and 
we'll have the armor that we need to fight the old devil. And God says that whenever the battle is over, there's no more work to do, that God's going to take us on out of here. Some good stuff. Take your Bible and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy and chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. I want to show you just a couple of thoughts here. 1 Timothy chapter 1. And notice there in verse 20. And it says this, Of whom is Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So evidently, there's somebody that had overthrew the faith of some of God's people. And it says that they knew this, but they have made shipwreck of their faith. And so it makes a statement also there in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, but we won't look at that right now, where it says that they taught things that were not true and overthrew the faith of some. But is it possible that the Lord may turn you over to the devil that you may learn a lesson, that you may learn? To them, not to blaspheme. But for somebody else, it might be a different story. God can use the devil. Remember, God did not stop the devil from tempting Peter. Remember, he says, Satan hath desired thee, that he may sift you as wheat. Why didn't God stop the devil from doing it? But he didn't. He allowed the devil and then what did Peter wind up doing? Denying the Lord three times. Did you know the devil was behind that? Peter never had any inkling that he would do such a thing. Christ already knew what was going to happen. And he just happened to tell him, before the cock crows thrice, you're going to deny me. You are going to deny me three times. See, Jesus already knew, and he already knew who was behind it and how he's going to influence you. And though he told Peter, it um, was said, but when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. You see, there's lessons for you and I to learn, and when we lift ourselves up with pride, God utilizes whatever necessary to teach us valuable lessons. 